Praise God. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in a time of spirit-filled praise and worship. And I'm excited to jump back into our sermon series titled Spirit-Filled Family. Spirit-Filled Family. And we're looking at Ephesians chapter 5 and the instruction that God has given us in this chapter to speak directly to our lives in, in the context of family. We've been walking verse by verse through the book of Ephesians uh, for about two years now. And we finally made it to this last part of Ephesians chapter 5 where the Apostle Paul takes us into, into a, a section of Christian living that deals directly with the topic of family. And so I'll pick it up where we last left off. And let's go ahead and jump into Ephesians 5. Let's start with verse 18. And we're going to make our way all the way to 27. I want to make sure we get the full context here. And I believe God has a word for us today. So if you're ready, say I'm ready. If you're hungry, say, let's eat. eat. All right, Father, as we open your word right now, your goodness is running after us. Speak through this text. Teach us your word. Come on, join me, church. Just pray that. Just say, Lord, teach me. Teach me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Do we have verse 18? Can we start with verse 18? If not, we'll pick it up right there at 22. Let's start with 22. That's fine. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, that's where we were at last week, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Today we're introducing verses 26 and 27. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Last week, we really we zeroed in on, on verse 25 in a sermon that I titled, Spirit-Filled Husbands. Um, as we jumped into the next section of this text, the, the Apostle Paul really deals with husbands. Today, I felt like we need to stay in that same lane and move into part two. Um, part two of spirit-filled husbands. Wives are like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. And really quick, let me just address a few audiences in the room. I know that not everybody in the room is a husband. Uh, I know that everybody in the room is not necessarily married. And so you may be tempted to, to believe the lie from Satan that says this series doesn't apply to you. If you have that mentality, I'm going to go ahead and say it. That's a selfish mentality. Because what you're doing is you're saying the Bible is a buffet, and I just pick and choose what I want. And God's word has never been meant to be treated like a buffet. God's word has meant to be treated as the living, breathing word of God for our lives. And really, what are you telling God if you have that mentality and if you're single here? You're saying, God, I'm not ready to be a husband because I'm not even ready to listen. Or you're saying, I'm not ready to learn about this subject. Maybe if you're a, a single woman. This would be a great time to listen and say, you know what, these words, I'm going to pray for these words in my life. Like God would raise this person up. But let's never have a selfish view of the Bible or the scripture. What if we treated every sermon series like that? We, we came to church and said, you know what, I'm not sure this one applies to me, so I'm going to check out. Ho- hopefully God um, know, knows that that's not our heart today. And so I just want to encourage you, students in the room, this is the fullness of God's word. We don't skip past certain parts if they're difficult, challenging, or if they're not popular. We just go on to the next verse. But here's what I believe. These sermons have been fruitful 
for my life and even single people in the room or divorced people in the room or people that are younger, have, if you have a spirit of humility that says, God, I want to learn something from this, you will. There's something you can catch from it, all right? If you got all that, say, I got it. Okay, let's go ahead and look back at verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We spent time here last week. It's important that we know this verse because this verse sets the tone for a spirit-filled marriage. Wives are called to submit to their husbands, and husbands are called to love their wives with agape love-type leadership. Agape means a choice, unconditional. I don't know if you saw the Super Bowl commercial last week. It was so good, right? I was like, man, I promise you I preached before the Super Bowl, so I was, there was no copying there. They copied my sermon is what happened, right? But there was a, it was a commercial for New York Life Insurance, and they went through the different Greek loves. They talked about agape love. They talked about storgai love. They talked about eros love and phileo love. And they, they finished the, the commercial with this phrase, love is action. I was like, man, I promise you I was just talking about that. Right? Love is action. And so, so husbands, you got to fill in the blank and, and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to love my wife. Here, how, what type of love? Agape choosing to lay my life down, to love my wife the same way Christ loved the church. Um, this, this verse right here, I believe it paints a picture of justification. What do I mean by that? Well, it says, the same way that, that Christ loved the church, this is the example, and gave himself up for her. Why, why did Jesus give himself up for the church? That's a good question to ask. I love what Romans 3.26 says. It says, he did it. Why did he do it? He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Why did Jesus give himself up? So he can give us a picture of justification. What, what does that mean? That means that God is just. He's holy righteous, blameless. He's a God of justice, which is a good thing if you're on his side. It's a bad thing if you're not. But the invitation to get on his team is open to you today. Jesus is just, which is why he died. He gave himself up. He also justifies at the same time those who would believe in him, those who would put their faith in him. So I believe in verse 25, we see justifying love and a justifying picture of marriage as we move now into verse 26, we see a sanctifying view of marriage. So, so this marriage relationship, the, the spirit-filled marriage, not a worldly marriage, not a marriage that is absent or void of the Holy Spirit of God, but a marriage that says, I'm going to have Jesus at the center, the Holy Spirit at the center, I'm going to have God at the center of my life, is going to lead to what the Bible calls sanctification. Here's what verse 26 says. Verse 26 says that he might sanctify her. So husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's where we are. We're in the church. And he gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. I believe, if I can give you the first point of the sermon today, is that one primary purpose of marriage is the sanctification of, of you and your spouse. For, for those who are married, uh, and if you're single here, guess what? One of the primary purposes of your life is the sanctification of you. The word sanctification means to be set apart. I'll give you some definitions of the word sanctify. It's the Greek word hagias. It's a verb word. It means to separate from profane things, to, to dedicate to 
God. It means to consecrate, purify, cleanse externally, purify internally. In one part of the Bible, in Romans chapter, chapter 8, it says that we're, we're all called to be conformed into the image of Jesus, and that happens through our sanctification. So what God is doing with all of us here in the room, this is a sermon for all of us, God, his goal for your life is for you to look more like Jesus every day. That's what sanctification is, is that maybe you started here, right here at level one, and each day God is using the different things in your life, the different successes and the different struggles to shape and mold you to look more like his son every day. And one day in heaven, you'll get a new glorified body, a new heart and mind, and you will be the eternal glorified self that God has called you and he's molding you to be. That's coming. But in the meantime, God's continuing to get us there. That's why Jesus prays. He says, God, in heaven, like on earth, like start doing some heavenly stuff in me now. God, you didn't just save me for a, for a seat cushion in heaven. No, I mean, I'm living eternal life right now. Not the fullness of heaven, but we're getting closer every day, amen? That's what sanctification is. Now, now check this out. One of the primary and best ways that can happen is through marriage. If, here's what Matt Chandler says. I like how Chandler says it. He says, marriage is the fast lane to sanctification, Right? If, if you really want to start getting this sanctification thing sped up a little bit, just get next to another sinful person and live with them for life. They're going to see all your, as John Legend says, perfect imperfections, all right? This is the fast track. The minute you share a bathroom, the, the, the minute that her things, you know, your thing, your complications, marriage is about two sinful people saying we're going to stay close to each other for life in the same context of a covenant relationship. This is bound to be messy. And if today you're thinking, I'm not really that sinful, that just shows you how sinful you are. You're oblivious to your sin, right? The, 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 the healthiest perspective you can bring into your marriage is that you're the problem. If you can have that mentality, like, hey, look, I know I'm the issue, so I just got to keep working on myself. And that your spouse can say, I know I'm the issue. Let me just keep working on myself. I'll tell you what, and Jesus will begin conforming you into his image, and you'll see verse 26 come to life. The word sanctify means to, to, to set apart, to grow, to, to externally cleanse, to internally purify, Jesus continues to make us more like himself. He gives us his Holy Spirit. That's why it's called a spirit-filled marriage, spirit-filled family. Maybe a good prayer that you can pray for your current spouse or your future spouse is, Father, fill them with your spirit because the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. Amen? Does that make sense? That, that's what he desires to do. Great theologian J.C. Ryle writes about this text. He says, remember the marriage is, after all, the union of two sinners, not two angels. No amens. I thought they were like, yeah, that's true. I, no. Strive first and foremost for one another's sanctification. Let me ask you this. In your marriage, for those who are married, if you're watching this, what are you striving for? One good thing to strive for would be one another's 
Sanctification, the word strive, means to make great efforts to achieve or obtain something. We're striving together. What if we said together, I'm going to strive for your sanctification, you strive for mine. Let's strive together after Jesus that I would be the best man of God I could be. You'd be the best woman of God that you could be, and we'd both look more like Christ. And that looks like a whole lot of, God, get me out of the way so you can love my wife through me. God, get me out of the way so you can love my husband through me. God, get me out of the way so you can love my kids through me. Kids, get me out of the way so I can love my parents through me, right? It's all about Christ in us and through us. How can you love your wife as Christ loved the church? You can't, but Jesus can. So we need more of him, amen? Sanctification is the way to do that. Are we helping each other grow more and more like Christ? I like how Mark Batterson says it as he writes on the topic of marriage, a beautiful work there. He says, the goal of marriage is not happiness. Whoa, time out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not the goal. Happiness can be a little side item that gets thrown in. Go ahead and receive all the happiness. No shade toward happiness. But it's not the goal. If the goal of, for you to get married is, man, I want to get married so I can be happy, you've got the wrong goal. In fact, you might get unhappy quick. And so that can't be the goal. So what is the goal? It's holiness. The goal is, of marriage is not happiness. It's holiness. That God in the marriage relationship is actually making you more like Christ. There's no mechanism whereby God can sanctify a person more than having them live in close proximity to another imperfect person. Our fundamental problem is that we're selfish. Marriage is the means whereby God eradicates our selfishness because it is not about me anymore, it's about we. Marriage is the means where you have to get your eyes, right, right just off yourself for a moment and say, okay, God, Look, it's not just about me, it's about we. I like how Wayne Deltzer, he talks about agape love. He says the secret of agape love is not what I can get, but rather what can I give? If you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to live out the agape love principles, even if you're not married today, and you're just saying, hey, look, I'm called to agape love, it's true, you are. Right? Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love one another as I have loved you. It's still the same agape word. You have to have this mentality. Here's the secret. It's not what I can get. Like, like exchange that mentality. Give it back to Satan. It's like, hey, Satan, like, I tried the, like, what can I get out of this mentality, and it never works. It didn't work for him either. But if you have a God mentality, which is what can I give, oh, man, God will bless that. That, that will go far. And I've found that for those who have who have just a heart to give, God gives more. I found that when we're generous with our love, God gives more. When we're generous with our time, God gives more. When we're generous with our resources, God gives more. It's when we withhold and hold on to and cling and grip to, God says, I'm gonna give less. Because you don't trust me. The secret of agape love is not, hey, what can you get, give me? I'm gonna do that just so I can get from you. That's a selfish mentality. It just, I mean, this is the word of God. But if you can have a mentality of what can I give, I really feel, I feel like God will bless that. Because that's what Jesus models for us in, in his life. This verse continues on to verse 26. And 
It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, that he might set the church apart as a holy, beloved bride. Come on, Jesus doesn't have a girlfriend, right? He doesn't have any side pieces. He doesn't have any mistresses. He has one church, one bride. That's why it's so powerful to be a part of the church. Like, there's some people that are fooling themselves. Like, I don't go to church. I'm spiritual. Jesus doesn't have a side piece. Like, you're nothing. You're actually part of nothing. Get a part of the church. There's no plan B. There's no other option. I, and I say that as somebody who's, like, really studied this thing. Like, God, show me, show me another way. It's like, nope, still the church. What about in heaven? It's going to be the church. I'm coming back for the church. What about everybody else that's spiritual? I don't know them. It's really what he says. He goes, I don't know you. There's people that are going to get, get to heaven for a moment and say, hey, Jesus. And he's like, I don't know you. The most terrifying verses in the Bible. The most terrifying words I could ever imagine would be Jesus saying, I never knew you. So, so while you have breath and while there's time, get to know Jesus. And you can't get to know Jesus without being part of his church. That would be like saying, hey, hey, Hayden, I really want to get to know you. I just don't want to get to know Nina at all. I don't, I just want to get to know you. And you know what I would tell you? I'd be like, that's impossible. That's my wife. Just like, that'd be like, some people, I just really want to get to know the church. I just don't want God. Doesn't make sense. They're one. So I would encourage you, you're at, one, you're at the right place. You made a good decision to come to church today. And God is moving in his church. He gave himself up for that he might sanctify her. The second part is great. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Now, commentators are, are a little all over the map on what this actually means. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. But... Holistically, what I've found to be unanimous is that the word of God is central to our walk with Jesus. Therefore, the word of God is central to the marriage relationship, amen? That the word of God has to have a priority place in your life, single person, in your life, married person, in your life, whatever category you're in. That the word of God is key. It says here that the word of God cleanses us and washes us. This water comes from the word. How about John chapter 15? This beautiful display of Jesus' affection toward his disciples. He does this great line of, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He says, I'm the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean. Why? What do you mean, Jesus? Because of the word I've spoken to you. Jesus declares to his disciples in John 15, he goes, look, I'm cleaning you the more I speak to you. I mean, you got to realize that this book is, is a supernatural book. This is the word. And I would encourage you today to just deepen your love relationship with God's word. I, I told somebody that last night. Uh, I was having a, con a conversation. They said, man, I just got so many voices 
everybody's got an opinion, you know, Pastor Hyden. I know, I know, for real. It's like my family's got an opinion, my parents got an opinion, my kids got an opinion, the radio's got an opinion, Facebook's got an opinion. This person called me out of the blue. They had an opinion on my situation. I just said, all right, let me just ask you one question. At any point, did you ever ask God's opinion? What if God wanted to clean up your life and wash away all your struggles with the word. And I'm not just talking about, hey, you know what? I actually check the verse of the day every morning. Like, that's cool. Like, if you want just one French fry out of the, I'm, like, I want a whole, I'm not saying you got to read a whole book a day, but good night. I, re, I read the verse of the day in the morning and I forget it in the, by lunch, all right? I'm talking about the word, Jesus says, already you are clean because of the the word I have spoken to you. It's the word of God that sanctifies us. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. John chapter 17, verse 17. Read this with me. Ready? One, two, three. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus is praying to the Father, the high priestly prayer of John 17. And here's what Jesus says. All right, hey, Dad, I'm getting ready to go to the cross. So, Father, here's what I'm going to ask. Sanctify my church with the word. That God cleanses us and sanctifies us and grows us through the word. Anybody who ever had significant impact for the kingdom had a great, profound relationship with the word. I want to encourage you to prioritize the word. Husbands, you have this mandate to prioritize the word in your marriage. If you're not married right now and you're engaged, don't wait to get married to start reading the word together. Some of the sweetest times I can remember with, with Nina were before we got married and we were reading through books in the Bible together. Like, that doesn't need to sound extra spiritual. That just is biblical, right? Like, I think we got each other study Bibles one year. And, you know, that, that may sound corny for a moment, but like, God was doing something there. God was shaping us, cleaning us, preparing us, growing us. Read the word together. If you're not married, this is a great thing to start doing. This is what God's going to call you to do, the word. I, b- I believe the word refers to the Bible. I believe the word also refers to the gospel. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says it like this. It says, for you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. Your new life is found in the word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. How about that? You ever thought about that? You just got compared to grass. I mean, I just... I feel like I got to just keep telling you this, and you can keep telling me this. You're not that special. You're a little grain of sand on a planet that God controls. Like, you, you, like it's not all about you. It's all about him, right? You are like a piece of grass. <laughs> Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever, and that word is the good news that was preached to you. So have a word-centered marriage and have a gospel-centered marriage, a good news marriage. 
If your marriage is founded upon the gospel, that means you can never run out of forgiveness. You can never run out of grace because you're recognizing, hey, look, the good news that was preached to me is that I'm a sinful person in desperate need of grace that is receiving forgiveness. I'm called to extend that same equal grace and forgiveness to my spouse, and he or she is called to extend it to me too. What if that was the foundation? That's what happens in verse 26. You begin to wash each other with the word. I was challenged by this quote from Craig Rochelle. Pastor Craig says, when it comes to your marriage, if the grass looks greener somewhere else, it's time to water your own yard. Man. Brothers, start watering. If your wife is always the one that says, honey, let's read the word, it's backwards. Wife, don't stop doing that, but husband, start doing that. Husband, you're called to initiate and start watering your spouse. I really want to encourage you to take that task seriously. Start watering your wife with the word. It'll change your relationship. Now, will you have to prioritize to do it? Absolutely. Will it be worth it? Absolutely. Begin watering. And as I I close this moment right here, I'll just say this. This was something that that the Lord did in my life throughout Nina and I's eight plus years of marriage, um, where I just realized, man, okay, this Ephesians 5 speaking to me, I need to step my game up and I need to initiate time in the word with my wife. And so what I did was I identified a, some book studies back in the day. I, I, I remember I picked up this book. I wanted us to grow in our knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And so my wife and I, we got this book called Forgotten God. And I went to the Christian bookstore and I downloaded or I bought the DVD set and we picked we, we picked a night because we would watch shows and stuff. And I thought, OK, well, if we got time to like watch an hour long show once a week or multiple times, then we should be able to read a chapter in this book throughout the week and then pick a night and talk through the chapter and watch the little video series. And I thought, man, we've done that multiple times, throughout, but we haven't done that as of late. We need to do that again. And I thought, man, I wonder if there's some other couples in the room, married or not, that would like to do something like that. And so I began searching and researching how that could happen in our church, and I came upon a a really cool thing called Right Now Media. And this thing called Right Now Media is basically our church's Bible study library that's now digital, and it's gigantic, right? There's over 20,000 discipleship videos for kids, youth, and adults, And check this out. We paid a lot of money so that everybody in the room could have a subscription if you wanted it. Come on. Amen, right? I just said this is worth it. This is worth it. Check out this quick video to learn a little bit more about Right Now Media. Welcome to our study of the Gospel of John. I have fallen in love with the work of Paul as I've studied the book of 1 Corinthians, and I believe you will too. This is where Jesus taught in Capernaum, and you have to understand this scene. The Lord is my shepherd. And over the next six weeks, we're gonna look deeply into the 23rd Psalm. Right Now Media. It's for groups. It's for personal devotion. It's for parents. The bullseye of parenting is to raise children who become like Jesus. It's for kids. 
This is Phil. We're digging into the Bible, which, as we've mentioned, is more than just a book. It's for tough times. So when you recognize that you're trying to have a conversation with your spouse and they're not ready to talk, it's not helpful to keep pressing right. them. It's for every phase of life. If you've made mistakes with money, you know what that makes you? Over 12. And now, it's yours. We've purchased a Right Now Media subscription for everyone in our church. So check your inbox for the digital invitation and download the app for instant access to thousands of biblically-based videos. Get equipped. Get inspired. We're excited about that. Now, here's what, here's what I'll just say. Um, if you'd like to, to take part in that, we're going to be sending out emails tomorrow with your access code. You can't get onto the website if you don't have the access codes. It, they literally describe it as the Netflix of Christian resource. And so I would encourage you to, to fill out a connection card today, and you don't have to put a whole lot on there. Just make sure that your name and email is on there and just put Right Now Media so you can get your access link directly to Walk Church. And when you go on, you can search and browse for all these titles, but we've actually created our own, own page. So when you go on, it'll say Walk Church's page. And so if you want to do what Nina and I are about to do, because I was inspired by this sermon, so, so what we've done is I said, listen, you know what, Nina, let's go back, let's do that again. We've picked a night, and we're going to start this book this week. It's called You and Me Forever, written by Francis Chan and his wife, Lisa Chan. They have different videos, about 15-minute long segments, where they're walking through this book. And Nina and I, here's, here's my call. i got to wash my wife with the word. I have to cleanse my wife. Now, husbands... It does not say scrub. <laughs> the word. No. It says wash. This is what the word says. Not scrubbing, but washing, purifying, sanctifying. And so I want to encourage you. So we have you and me forevers for sale at the merch store today. We're selling them for 10. You won't find them anywhere cheaper. We want to give you guys the cheapest price we could give. Uh, we also have Forgotten God. So, for example, if you're like, hey, I want to do a study on the Holy Spirit, and, and all, if you go to Walk Church's page, you're going to find Forgotten God on there, all the, see, who does DVDs anymore? If you do, no offense, all right, right? But you can go on. You can get all the links. You can do this one. If you, if you wanted to do a different marriage series, Matt Chandler has a great one called The Mingling of Souls. The tagline is God's design for love, marriage, sex, and redemption. And so this is going to be on sale. You can do the Mingling of Souls series if y'all wanted to. If you're single, I remember when I was a single dude and I read this book, Crazy Love. Woo! Brother, amen, yeah. This book changed my life. It was just me and, this, me and the DVD, just me and the DVD. If you go to our Walk Church Right Now media page today, you'll see the Crazy Love and all, like, the, the, work, the DVD used to be so expensive, <laughs> But we have all that for you because we believe in you. We believe in what God's doing. So, so visit the merch store today. Pick up a sweater and pick up a book, and, and you'll leave resourced, and we've already got the Right Now Media taken care of for you. So we'll send that email to you tomorrow uh, if you put the connection card in. If you're already in our database, you'll get the email tomorrow anyway. Um, but just in case, make sure we get it, we get it right. My final quote, and then we're going to actually move into the final part of our, our, our study. Um, final quote comes from a guy named Tony Morita. And he says it like this. This, is, this was helpful for me. Dr. Tony says, he says, while a husband cannot atone for sins or cleanse anyone, 
There is a sense in which Christ's sanctifying work is a pattern for husbands. So watch this. Practically, I think that means you should love your bride in a way to help her grow in likeness to Christ. Here is the question. All right, everybody, you ready for the question? If you're ready, say ready. Is our wife more like Christ because she's married to us, or is she like Christ in spite of us? Right? Husbands, initiate, initiate, initiate. Wives, let your husband initiate. Wives, let, let your husband initiate. Don't reject, accept. That's a good word right there. Amen? Let me pray for us. Let me pray for us, and we're going to hear some practical wisdom on this. Father God, thank you so much uh, for all that you're doing in us and through us and for moving today at Walk Church. God, for those who need help uh, in this area, God, do something supernatural. Help us, Lord. God, I pray that, Jesus, there's couples in the room. There's future couples in the room. There's couples that are pretending to be married, but they're not. God, I pray for conviction and for patience and for help. God, I pray for husbands that are going to take the baton to start leading. And God, start, start washing and start initiating. And God, I pray you would help us do that together. For, for older couples, for younger couples, for all of us, God, help us to have spirit-filled marriages. Jesus. And God, if somebody's making a decision right now and healing's happening, God, let it be done. Let it be good. Let it be fresh. If someone needs to receive Jesus today and they recognize they're a sinner, God, I pray that they would accept and receive you as the Lord and Savior of their lives. God, we need your help. And God, as people respond right now, I pray you just make it clear what their next step is. If it's to receive you, renew their relationship, get baptized, join a group, start a Bible study with their spouse, stop living in sexual sin, whatever that may be, Give them, the, give them the faith to trust you. As we just sang a minute ago, there's a million reasons to trust you, God. So, Lord, I pray that you would do that in us and through us here at Walk Church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. So if you made a decision... Feel free to hit this connection card up and let us know about it. But right now, I thought it would be cool just to hear some practical wisdom from Pastor Dean and Dorlisa McQuillan. We're glad that you guys are here with us on the stage. It's a gift to be able to just talk about uh, these marital items with you guys. You guys have done marriage counseling with several couples in our church. You guys have been helpful for Nina and I over the years and we'd just like to get to know you a little bit. Maybe you can speak into this subject. Uh, so really quick, just introduce yourself briefly uh, for those who may be a first-time guest. And how long have you guys been married? Pastor Dean and Dorlisa, we've been married for 38 years. We've been... 38. And uh, our greatest and last run that uh, we feel will be for the rest of our living lives is Supporting Walk Church, as we were part of the beginning of that. Amazing. So. Praise we're, the Lord. We're very excited about what, an what is happening right here, right Man. here before all of us. We're excited with you. It's, we're, we're, a, we're a family in this thing together. And um, I just thought it would be valuable. I mean, 38 years is a long time to do anything, right? Let, but to be married, praise God. And to see you guys here serving in the local church, shining, church planting, entrepreneurship, all types of different seasons of life, 
two amazing kids that both love Jesus now in their adult life. Um, praise the Lord. Talk to us a little bit about this subject here today. Pastor Dean, when you hear the phrase sanctification uh, in the same context of marriage, how does that land on you? Talk about what role sanctification has played in your guys' marriage. Well, in order to clearly understand sanctification, you have to know what it's not. Mm. And I have a very clear picture of what it's not. Wow. I grew up in a home where marriage was ugly. It was dishonoring. It was disrespectful, abusive physically, emotionally, verbally. And that's what I saw. And unfortunately, as a young man who fell in love with this beautiful lady here, that's all I knew. Wow. It's called learned behavior. And even though I got saved two weeks before our wedding. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> and that's another story in itself. But for three years, I struggled. Mm. Yeah. I was one sure. foot in the world, one foot in the church, one foot in Christ. And I did not understand marriage at all. Mm. And then one day, I came home three years after our marriage. My wife was gone, and she had taken my son with her. Wow. Wow. So immediately, I had to submit to my pastor and uh, his counseling on marriage. And he took me immediately to Ephesians chapter 5. Wow. Right where we're at. And now I understand sanctification. Amazing. As we are set apart from the world, the way the world looks at marriage. I love our marriage. Is it always easy? No. And there's incredible tools in the Bible that help you stay on track. Amen. And those will be taught. But what happened was I learned exactly that it wasn't my wife's responsibility to love me. It was my responsibility to love her. Man. In this passage that our pastor is teaching us hmm. three times I am commanded to love my wife and not one time is she commanded to love me. Hello. Wow. I am to love her as Christ loves the church. And there's a key word there, the word as. Anytime you see the word as and like in the Bible, God is drawing you a picture. And that picture is, Lord, how do I love Dorlisa? You love her as I love you as the church. Hmm. Wow. That's right. Oh, and there's another one in there. You love her as you love your body. I take really good care of myself. Yeah. And then he says, love her as you love yourself. Because I have goals and dreams. I have desires. I have things I like to do. But make sure I love her the same way. That's good. There's so many men that like to scrub their <laughs> wives with the word of God. Wow. It's all about them and not about their wives. So I was taught early on what the picture of sanctification looked like. And because of that, my wife, as you read in the very last passage, she reverences me. Mm. And the greatest show of reverence was when God called me to Dillon, Montana, mm. to the mission field, and she says, let's go, sight wow. unseen. That was wow. the greatest show of sanctification. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. That's awesome. Man, so good. A lot, a lot of good nuggets in there. Dorlisa, as we think about the, the word, you know, as the word of God, I know you two both model a passion and a heart for the word of God. 
which is so beautiful and, 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 and compelling. How has the Word of God played a role in 38 years of marriage in your guys' lives um, through the ups and downs, whether it was that three-year marker or the 30-year marker or just even in, the, in this past year presently, how has the Word of God just played a role in your guys' marriage? Well, I'm um, thankful that we were raised in a church, even though we weren't raised in church as young people, we were raised in a church when we gave our lives to the Lord that truly taught the Word of God and um, really embedded in us the importance of having a relationship with the Word of God. And I think that one of the most important things that we learned was that the Word of God is um, the owner's manual to life. The and owner's manual to life. The own, everybody gets an owner's manual when you get a refrigerator. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, thanks. And um, That's good. when you get anything, you have an owner's manual. And there may be times that you don't really look at the owner's manual all the time. You usually should read it. I think a lot of times men have a tendency to just put things together and never really look at the owner's manual. There you go, Troy. But the important thing is, is that when you need it, you understand where to go and you understand that it's important Helpful. to use the owner's manual Helpful in order words. to um, get through the issue, get through the problem, make sure that you're lining yourself up with what God has to say and not what the world has to say. You know, the mm -hmm. world is, is always pounding in our ears, always on television, always on the radio, always, you know, in our societal situations telling us one thing. Yeah. But like you were saying, what does the Word of God have to say? And I think yeah. that, that we've, we've tried really hard to always make sure that when we're in our dips in our valleys, that if it's not him, it'll be me. And if it's not me, it'll be him. That always draws us back to Amen. the Word of God. That's really good. That's awesome. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's powerful. Um, yeah. When it comes to just living that out, I mean, I can even just remember just in, in, the, in the past year, I think last time you preached here, Pastor Dean, you even mentioned that. Like, my wife just came downstairs and just challenged me to read Matthew. You know, those types of things. And that, that sparked your, yeah. your message prep. It did. Um, I think, I guess, just with the time we have, just closing thoughts in this area um, with you guys that have, have been foundational for your marriage. There's, there's obviously a variety of different groups in the room here, whether young or old or not there yet, um, or maybe have lost hope that that, that that could be something for them. What would you encourage our body with as a final word? Well, as a final word, again, in Ephesians chapter 5, there's a lot of nuggets in there for you to grab a hold of. Mm -hmm. You're going to learn, and you're going to be able to meditate upon them. You're going to be able to practice them, and they're going to be a part of your life that sets apart your marriage to sanctification. But one of the challenges I think that Dorlisa and I run into when we meet with couples is they don't understand what it means to cleave to one another. You're one flesh. One. You're one flesh. Mm. And it says to leave your mother and your father and cleave one to another. You're one flesh. But there's, there's a distraction in most marriages. And you know what that distraction is? And we love them with all of our heart. We would do anything in the world for them. Your children. They need to know that you are one. Wow. They need to know they can't go to her or to me and divide us. How about Because they will. They need to know that 
when you want to take a weekend and go somewhere, they're not always included, and that's okay. Hey, how about We're that? We're bringing a babysitter in for the weekend, and you're going to stay here while we go have our time. They need to know that you're number one. Huh. That's good. Anything to, to tag on to that, Dorlisa? Well, I think it's important, um, as, especially as ladies, that um, when you were preaching about us being a helper and that that's a representation of who the Holy Spirit of God is. Mm. And he is our helper, he's our comforter, he's our teacher. And we should take that as a privilege in the home. Wow. To um, not only with our children, but in our responsibility with our husbands. And, you know, not look at it as though it's a second-class citizen to feel like, you know, you're supposedly lower esteemed than that. But it is a great privilege to be... Um, having the character qualities of the Holy Spirit of God and pouring into your family. That's great. Amen. Helpful. Helpful. Well, Pastor Dean, since this is a spirit-filled husband emphasis here today, would you, would you pray for our church? Would you, would you pray for all the husbands in the room and all the marriages in the room as well? Absolutely. And, and, and future ones as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. We thank you and praise you for a church that teaches the word of God verse by verse, chapter by chapter, without any apologies. Thank you for the word today, the truth. Lord, thank you for the truth that was given to me 35 years ago when my wife had left me with my one-year-old son. Wow. And Lord, I was fortunate enough to have a pastor that took the word of God and scrubbed me. I needed to be scrubbed from head to toe. Wow. And Father, I thank you for that pastor. I thank you for that time. Thank you for all these years, Lord, that the word of God has been our anchor. It's thank been you, our rock. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we've drifted just like any other couple. But Lord, we always know when to come back yeah. and you will be there. We thank That's you for right. that. So Lord, I pray a special prayer for our church. I pray for the married couples. I pray for the single men and women that one day will be married couples. Mm. I pray for those who have even lost their loved one. Lord, that was a special relationship. But Lord, use us all as an example of what it means to be sanctified yeah. by the washing of the word. Thank you. Lord, we can only be clean by you. Yeah. Lord, we can only have a marriage that's honoring because of you. So only good. respectful because of you. So Lord, let our marriages not be disrespectful, abusive. Lord, ugly. Let them be sanctified, set apart Ooh. to bring honor so and good. glory to your name Jesus. and your name only. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Dorlisa. Thank you, Pastor Dean. Appreciate you guys. That was awesome.